On today's show, the Hawks go on the road and get a big, big victory on this Tuesday evening, outlasting the Chicago Bulls without Trey Young, without DeAndre Hunter, and really an impressive team-wide performance. We'll get into all of what transpired and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1445 of the Lockdown Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday. And today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA. Get on your way to being your best self. And also, on the top of the podcast today, to make us your first listen each and every day, check us out across podcast platforms and anywhere you get your podcasts Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We're also on the video side over at YouTube. And thank you for listening to today's podcast. We'll get into it now. And the Hawks picked up a very, very nice victory on the road, 123-105 to over the Chicago Bulls on this Tuesday. I argued on yesterday's podcast, if you missed it, it's still relevant for the most part, um, on Monday Night Show, that it was basically the most important and impactful game of the season for the Hawks coming up on Tuesday in Chicago, at least from a leverage standpoint. With the play-in race going, the tiebreakers in play, and everything else, it was the biggest game in terms of like win probability, all that fun stuff, um, for the whole season for the Hawks, honestly, coming into the game. And... The Hawks played very well, and but really the challenge was they had to do it on the road, number one, but also without Trey Young, who actually missed this game as a, real, as a result of non-COVID illness, plus DeAndre Hunter, who's still been out with the knee issues, and that's two of their starters. And obviously Trey Young, the face of the franchise centerpiece, that's a huge loss in this game, and the Hawks played very well in this spot, and really won in convincing fashion against a healthier team that was playing at home. I'll get into kind of the offensive defensive numbers in a second. I'll just say this now. It was an impressively resilient effort from the Hawks in this game to lead basically wire to wire against a team that isn't great or anything like that. But the Bulls have been playing pretty well in recent days, plus they had home court advantage. And overall, I thought the Hawks did a good job using what they had to their advantage in this game, playing with physicality, playing with force. They were bigger and stronger than the Bulls throughout this game as the Bulls tried to play small and out, sort of outgun them that way. And the Hawks also, importantly, get this victory and get a leg up and at least avoid the 10 seed because if they had lost this game, the 10 seed was certainly not guaranteed, but certainly in full view. With the win now, things flip. And now they have, we'll get into it later on in the podcast, but they are pretty in pretty good shape, at least to be not, not 10. And honestly, they have the 8 seed right now, as you factor the tiebreaker with Toronto. So it was a big win, big swing in Atlanta's favor. And uh, that's sort of the top line thought of this podcast. But as far as the performance on the, on the court was concerned, the Hawks offensively were quite good in this game, with the exception of basically one area and also one part of the game. So overall, the Hawks had a 123 offensive rating. That's very, very good against anyone, especially when you factor in that the Bulls had been a top five or six defense in the entire league this year. Now, Alex Caruso has been their best defender, and he actually missed a large portion of this game. That's at least a small caveat, but the Hawks did play well on offense, at least for the most part. They shot the ball extremely well. Um, almost 70% on two-point attempts in the game. Not incredible from three, or the Hawks 10 of 28. That's like a pretty average number, but 90% of the free throw line, they had 70 points in the paint. That's a huge number. Now, sometimes that, that number of points in the paint could be overemphasized at times, but the Hawks were really trying to use their physicality and they did it very effectively in this game. Now, the one black mark offensively was the 17 turnovers. That's way too many for this Hawks team. In the second half, it got really out of hand at different times. And honestly, the Hawks were a little bit lucky that the lead never really evaporated during that time. 
but they also won the glass. That was very helpful, and they had great balance in this game. A lot of guys played very well, but the Hawks ended up with six guys in double figures plus eight guys with at least seven points. Um, nobody went totally crazy. Bogey had a big game scoring-wise, but guys played well for sure. Sadiq Bey played well. Joe Johnson played well. I thought DeJounte was very good, very solid across the board. Bogey, Click Capella, et cetera. But the Hawks had a very, very solid, balanced effort on offense. Um, defensively, they held the Bulls to a 105 offensive rating in this game. That's really good against anybody, honestly. And the Bulls, while they're not incredible on offense by any means, they do have a lot of talent on the perimeter, in particular Levine and DeRozan, both of whom were fine in this game, but both of which were they were sort of contained in an impressive way with the Hawks playing without Hunter in this one. Now, the Bulls didn't miss a bunch of threes. They actually shot 7 of 31 from three. Not all of that is the Hawks by any means, but that is uh, part, of the, part of the challenge when you're talking about anything that's going on in an NBA game. And also, the Hawks did um, have their usual issues containing perimeter penetration and ball handling. That was a problem at times in this one, but they only they had some turnover creation issues as well. But they definitely contested shots at a high level. They, um, I, I thought, I, I protected the rim very well in this game, rebounded very well. The Bulls only had 16 assists in the entire game. That's an excellent figure. So the Hawks played well on offense, played well on defense, and that's usually a very strong formula to get a victory in this game. And really, they led by... I don't know, eight points or more for the vast majority of this game. It was never particularly close. We're going to do it later on, how, how it got a little bit dicier at times in the third quarter. But the Hawks were at least relatively in control for really the entire game. So that was nice to see sort of a breezy one, even if it got a little bit uh, a little bit scary in the second half. Um, I, I said it once before, but the Hawks were without Trey in this one. He actually didn't even travel to Chicago. So we'll see if he's able to go on Wednesday. That's sort of a TBD from Quinn Snyder. Uh, he said he's been battling a pretty big stomach bug, apparently. That's uh, that's obviously uh, one to keep an eye on for Wednesday's game. Hunter missed the game. No update there beyond his normal status. Uh, but our friends at FanDuel, just kind of set the stage a little bit more as we get into the game breakdown in a second. Our friends at FanDuel, with Trey out and Hunter out, made the Hawks six-point underdogs in this game. And they went up and won it by 18 points. That is one of the bigger flip-flops from a spread to a final score in an entire game for the, for the Hawks this all season. I won't say it was the best one of the year because it probably wasn't in terms of like just the way they played, but they played certainly at a top 10 level of any game they played in this year, I think, overall, especially when you take into account they're playing without Trey. And given the leverage and the importance and the venue and all that stuff, um, it was a really, really encouraging performance from the Hawks. Obviously, they've been kind of the definition of average in the last, you know, several weeks and months at this point in time. I wrote about that for Dime today. I talked about it on the podcast yesterday. It's not a bit the Hawks have just been that middling for a long time now, but this is one of those games that gives you optimism. The young guys played well. They just came out and did the right things for the vast majority of the night. And it was a really, really strong performance that will give you some confidence going into a back-to-back against Washington on Wednesday. All right, before we get into kind of the way this game unfolded play by play wise, it worth more sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is sponsored by eBay Motors, and for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is the perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to be fitting just right with your car or truck. So the next time you get your parts or accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure that every single part that you need fits right and does it the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will be fitting or your money will be coming back to you. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop at eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, we'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. One more time, that is ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
All right, and at the top of the game, the Hawks started out very well and, again, really never trailed from there. So it was a 13-2 run by the Hawks to open the game up. Bogey had the first eight points, had 11 of the first 13. He hit three threes early on. He was more average, at least more normal after that, but that was it all counts. Uh, Capella tried – there was one very funny play. Capella tried to throw a short, short, short roll lob pass to Collins. It was a terrible, like, no good, funny play and a terrible pass that went out of bounds. Um, but the Bulls had a curious play early on as well. They burned a really bad challenge in the first quarter for Billy Donovan. Um, lost it as well, which made it even worse. But they tried to avoid maybe a second foul on Caruso. But it wasn't a huge high leverage play, kind of a strange challenge that just did not, did not work out for them. I thought Bay played very well early on offensively. Collins was very active around the rim. Um, rotationally, there was one mild surprise, and it was the fact that the ninth man in this game, with both Young and Hunter was, being out, was Trent Forrest. And he actually got the backup point guard minutes in this game. The first time that Trent Forrest had played outside of garbage time since January 30th, that was again against Portland on the road in which Trey was also out. So it seems like, obviously that was a different coaching staff, but it seems like when Trey is out, that, that kind of gives at least Forrest a chance to get in there. But um, I was surprised to see that. Like I think, I think I'm probably higher on Trent Forrest than most people are, but he had been so far on the fringes for a while now that I would have probably expected to see Aaron Holiday or even Garrison Matthews, but they went with Forrest to mix results. I think he's pretty bad at times in this game on offense. Defensively, he's still always very, very solid, but um, he had a rough third quarter in particular, which we'll come back to later on. That was at least a notable tweak in the rotation. The Hawks were by 13 points at one point in the first quarter, up 10 at the end of the quarter. They shot it well, 5-9 from three. Moved the ball very well and very decisively, I thought, in the first half in particular. It helps to make jump shots as well to open things up for the rest of your game. But defensively, they're very solid, and uh, I thought they contested really well, rebounded, well, rebounded very well in the first quarter. Um, I thought Jalen Johnson had a huge stretch in the second quarter, couple of really nice flash plays, had a big chase down block, also had a big dunk in transition after a terrible pass by the Bulls, admittedly, on an inbounds. Then they, then they sort of settled in and made some less flashy but also still impressive plays after that with a nice mid-ranger. He was under control. And, look, I've talked about this for a long time now, all season long, but if you're a new listener, I'll just say it again. Johnson's reputation as a prospect, his physical tools, all of that, lends itself to being an absolute dynamo in transition. And that is uh, that was on full display here. He had, he had several like huge sweeping plays in transition for dunks or layups. And the fact that his on-ball defense on the perimeter has been some havoc creating, that's been encouraging as well. He's not quite there as far as like being a, tact- a tactician defensively on the perimeter. He's still learning how to do all that stuff. But his physicality at you know, 6'9", 6'10", and his range and all that is very, very devastating. If he has it going, he was really good in the first half of this game. Uh, also, Snyder drew up an ATO play for a Kongu to take a corner three in the middle of the quarter. He made it. It was obviously drawn up for him. Flare screen. Not the first time he's done that, but it was nice to see a Kongu kind of just calmly shoot it and make it. A nice glimpse into the future, hopefully, if you are a Hawks fan. And in general, the Hawks used their physicality very well. I thought Johnson and Kongu were really good. And then when they came out, Capella had a huge denial at the rim. And then Collins came back in for, for a nice mismatch against Levine for a layup as well. So the Hawks were up by 20 after a 19-8 to run. The Bulls kind of melted down. Patrick Beverly had a really rough offensive game in this game. Um, the one really hiccup in the first half was an 8-0 run by the Bulls at the very, very end of the half to go from up 20 to up 12 at the halftime break. Bad turnover by Murray in there as well, a missed shot as well. But um, one of those times when like, the Hawks were up by 12 at the, at the half, which seems awesome, but it was kind of almost bad after being up by 20. Still, though, offensively they were really good. Defensively they were pretty solid, very balanced and all that. And uh, I'll send more of that to come in the future. In the third quarter, uh, they were up by 17 early on. Bay, I thought, had a huge, like, a really nice take to the rim using his size, I think, repeatedly. Uh, Snyder asked about that after the game and praised Sadiq for kind of just being under control. 
and just physical in this one. Like when Bay is playing the three, he is big and physical. He's still, he's obviously pretty slow for a small forward, but he is physical and against a smaller perimeter team like the Bulls, they're playing Levine at the three a lot. They're playing smaller lineups. And, you know, DeRozan's not the best defender in the world either. Like I thought Bay was understanding of that and definitely attacked it. Um, Collins had a huge block on DeRozan in the third quarter and then assisted on Bogey's fourth three of the game. Murray had a steal and uh, things were going very well. But from there, it was a little bit rough the rest of the third quarter. A 9-3 run by the Bulls to get back within 10. Defensively, that was sort of a step back, I thought, in terms of pressure and execution in the third quarter. And then it, they were really out of sorts offensively. They were fortunate. I said it in the moment. I think definitely, again, after watching the game back on tape, that they did not spiral in the, in the third quarter. The Bulls had two or three or four chances to really get things interesting if they had made a shot or two, and they just didn't ever make their shots. The Bulls, had, sorry, the Hawks had six turnovers in about an eight-minute period. Forrest really struggled. He had one nice play at the very, very end of the quarter when he set up a bucket for an assist, but he was pretty bad offensively for like a three or four-minute period in the third they managed to get up. They managed to be into the into the uh, break by up by at ten points, which was honestly pretty lucky. And the Hawks kind of avoided their one chance at kind of melting down in that one stretch. Um, early in the fourth, there were still some ball security issues. It didn't burn them because both Beverly and Kobe White missed point blank layups in transition. But the Hawks had nine turnovers in like a fifteen minute period. It was really rough. Five of those were from Jalen and Forrest combined. They went into a break up by only nine points, but it was kind of still in that 8-12 to 12 range for a large portion of the fourth quarter. Jalen had a huge dunk of transition at that point in time. Never got incredibly tight. I thought there were a couple of big buckets from Capella, actually, um, late in the shot clock, back-to-back times to go uh, keep the Hawks up by like 11 or 12. And then I think there were probably two daggers. There was one from Murray on a three-point play with like three minutes to go, to go by like 15 points. That was probably the end of the game. And if that wasn't the end, it was another bucket from Murray with like two minutes to go to go up by 18. And that was basically the end of that. Um, other than that, it was all garbage time. And Donovan Williams, yes, Donovan Williams, who people, I think Hawks fans, don't even know who that is in a lot of ways, at least some uh, non, like, full-on diehards. Donovan Williams signed a two-way contract with the Hawks in January and had not played in a game yet. But he got in tonight. That was good to, good to see him uh, sort of make his debut in this spot. Obviously, garbage time, but it was good to just kind of have him out there. Took a shot, had a rebound, and is now in the box score for all time as a member of the Atlanta Hawks. That was, that was cool to see. Other than that, though, uh, a wire wire win for the Hawks. They were in control of this one. It wasn't perfect. It hardly ever is. But the starters were really good in this game, and uh, the bench was solid, and they kind of just did their thing across the board. All right, we'll have more on the individual player breakdowns in a second, as well as a look at the standings at the end of the podcast. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. The NBA playoffs are almost here. It's perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And if you're a new customer at FanDuel, get no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That means bonus bets coming back to you if your first bet does not win with FanDuel. Download the FanDuel sportsbook app right now today. It is safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can bet anything you're looking for across the sports world, including point spreads and totals and money lines, player props. Baseball is in full swing right now. In addition to everything else, and the Hawks had a quick turnaround when they faced the Wizards on Wednesday. FanDuel will still have you covered with every single game that you're looking for with regard to pregame lines and live lines, futures, etc. And from there, find many more exclusive bets at FanDuel. And FanDuel has the opportunity to give you the chance to combine those bets together for a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. Don't miss a chance with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Yes, a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 at FanDuel. We have at FanDuel.com slash locked on. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. Like everyone more with FanDuel, push your corporate partner at the NBA. 
All right, to the player contributions in this one, and I will not go through all the guys who got in the game at the very, very end. Uh, Williams and Krejci and Tyrese Martin and Aaron Holiday and Bruno Fernando all appeared at the very, very end of the contest, but for the most part, it was a nightmare rotation in this game for Atlanta. Force was the pl- was the guy who played the least and probably should have played less, honestly. Um, I am a fan of Forrest, but he had three turnovers at bad times. They had three rebounds and an assist, two points. I thought he was okay outside of that one window. He, he just kept turning them all over. Um, I would like to see Aaron Holiday probably in that role next time. Force is a little bit bigger, so that's maybe what they were looking for defensively as another guy to throw on one of the wings for Chicago. And I do like Trent. He was just a little bit overstretched in this one, I thought. Um, the other guy, the only other guy that really struggled out of the whole unit for the Hawks in this game was Griffin. AJ was not his best. Five fouls in 25 minutes, seven points on two of seven from the floor. Did have uh, an assist, but three turnovers, just kind of really out of sorts. Like, you know, he grew up at least in part in Chicago when his dad played there. Maybe it was kind of a homecoming thing or whatever, but he, he was not good in this game. And I, I tweeted that during the game. It was like, I wasn't trying to pile on. And I've been very high on AJ all, all year long. I still am. But it's just worth noting for this game in particular, he was kind of out of sorts. He was probably the only one that kind of did not play particularly well at all for the Hawks outside of Forest. Um, Okongwu was very solid, not like spectacular, but certainly very good. 11 points, six rebounds, and three blocks in 20 minutes. Just rock solid stuff defensively and uh, didn't didn't have foul trouble, which is nice to see from him. Uh, and then Jalen really made a lot of impact. I thought 16 points, four rebounds, three steals, and a block. He did a four turnovers. So that's more than you would want for him, but that's kind of what you're getting with him sometimes. Like he's a little bit overzealous at points, but he was 7-10 from the floor. I thought, you know, Jalen's flashes have always been really impressive. I thought that first half was really strikingly good. Second half, not as much, but uh, I think he played well, and you start to see the flashes. That, you know, they lead, they lead uh, Hawks fans to be a little bit probably overexcited, but I will try not to pour cold water too much right now. Uh, I will see the occasional take that makes me shake my head a little bit about overexcitement, but that's okay. He's obviously a very fun player with a ton of talent, and uh, as a reminder, a former top-five prospect in the country as a high school recruit for a reason. He is a physical marvel. He's very smart. He's good feel. The passing, the instincts, it's all there for him in the future. Um, to the starters, the quietest guy was John Collins. He had nine points, six rebounds, had two blocks. I uh, thought he played pretty well, honestly. He wasn't like he was awesome, but he was fine. Um, 0-2 from three after a, after a hot streak previously, but three and a half from the floor. That was kind of his one hiccup there, but you know, no turnovers, six rebounds, two assists, two, two blocks, uh, good defense, just a solid night, nothing great, but he, he was probably the weakest guy of the starting lineup, but still, that was your weak point. They were in good shape. Uh, Capella was good, 13 points, 14 rebounds. For Clint in 26 minutes, a couple big shots late. I thought he and, he and Okongwu complimented each other very well and physically in this one. Um, I thought Sadiq Bey was very good. 18 points, four assists, four rebounds. Defensively, he's had his best two-game stretch as a Hawk, in my opinion, against the Bulls and the Mavs. Now, some friendlier matchups for him and the fact that his, his, his weakness as a perimeter, like move-your-feet guy, was not highlighted a ton. But he really was a great example of the Hawks doing what they should have done in this game and kind of just bu- almost bully balling the Bulls in this game. And I think Bay knew that, took advantage of it, was committed to it. Um, two of six from three is fine for him. But six of seven on twos, really effective getting all the way to the rim, not settling, and it was a nice night for him on the whole. Uh, Bogey had a huge night, I thought, especially early on. 26 points to lead, to lead all scores in the entire game. Five assists, very strong. One turnover, four rebounds. Um, took five, took, sorry, took, took 10 threes, made five of them. That's great. Um, you want him bombing away. Uh, also four or five on twos. Good night for Bogey on the whole. Um, obviously, there's always talk about him now, especially after the extension. Uh, he's been under the microscope, but I think this is what you want from Bogey. Shooting a lot of threes, being a weapon there, holding up def- at least def- decently on defense, passing the ball well. And uh, I thought I really liked what I saw from him. And then Murray, not a huge like numbers game. 17 points, nine assists without Trey. I probably would have taken the over on his point total in this game, but one turnover, nine assists, 
plus 21, best, best in the game for the Hawks. He was 7 of 11, sorry, 7 of 10 on twos in this game. Oh, three on threes, that's fine. But um, I thought Murray was under control. He was good. He was not dominant, but he did what he should have done in this game. He played the facilitator role. He ran the offense. He played better defense in this game than he has for most of the season, I thought. He was more attentive defensively. And uh, yeah, obviously the Hawks are not better without Trey Young. I'm sure that someone's saying that now tonight. I get it. It is what it is. Um, I would just vehemently push back on that. Obviously, Trey Young's still their best player, but they played well without him tonight. They did what they should have done tonight, take advantage of what they had available. I thought Murray looked comfortable in that number one role tonight just because he's probably more used to that still. Obviously, he's been the number two this year, and he still is with, with Trey Young, but for the previous two years before that, he was the number one guy in San Antonio. It's probably more like in his DNA to be that guy, so we'll see, but obviously, I don't want to have. Any, there's no reason for like super strong takes. It's just one of those things where, like, yes, the Hawks need Trey Young. No question about that. It was also really nice to see them win without him in this game because usually they're not very good without Trey Young. Breaking news. The Hawks have been not been very, been, not been very good without Trey Young over the last three or four years in a row. But they uh, overcame that tonight and won on the road in impressive fashion. So from here, uh, it was a good night for the Hawks. It was not a fantastic one on the supporting side. So the Hawks are still technically alive for the sixth seed if they went out and the Nets lose out. But I will uh, not bank on that, let's say. The Heat won tonight and now have a two-game lead for seven with three games to play. So the, Miami's a huge favorite to be the seventh seed um, or maybe in the sixth seed, but certainly ahead of the Hawks. And Toronto also won tonight. But – on the bright side for Atlanta, the, they have a tiebreaker over the, over the Raptors. So if they finish tied, the tiebreaker goes to the Hawks. And right now they're tied. So right now, as of today, the Hawks will be the eight seed and the Raptors will be the nine seed. And the big thing is they're now two games ahead of Chicago without losing the tiebreaker directly as it would have been if they had lost this game. It went from really dire potentially to really, really strong in a, in a blink of an eye against the Bulls. So this win, I would say, puts the Hawks in a position where they have to literally melt down to be the 10 seed. Now, they still could be. No question about that. I would not cross that off. But the percentage chance of that is way lower now. And look, the Hawks were the 9 seed last year, and they managed to win. The 10 seed is not where you want to be. 9 seed is not great either. You have to win twice, but at least you're at home one of those games. You want to be the 8 seed, honestly. I mean, it was 7 seed would be even better. But realistically, uh, it was a good win from that and just kind of avoid the downside results of being the 10 seed. As for the game tomorrow, the Hawks have a pretty good chance to break their seemingly never-ending streak of not being anywhere but within one game of 500, which they have now been since the middle of January. That is still crazy. It's still happening now. The Wizards are the opponent. They play uh, at home against Washington. And that's a game where the Wizards actually have to travel. That's positive. So both teams have sort of the same setup as far as their situation. Back-to-back with travel. Injury reports won't be known until Wednesday, but uh, Washington played tonight and the Wizards played without like all of their key guys and they lost in Milwaukee. They played without Beal and Porzingis and Kuzma and Denny Abdia and Money Morris in that game. And they're not really trying anymore, to be honest. Now, we'll see if that continues on Wednesday. They could just turn it back on. We'll see. But I think the Hawks will be solidly favored, even on the back-to-back, at home, even if Trent doesn't play, they'll probably still be favored because they're better than the Wizards and they're playing at home. Nothing's assured at all. Obviously, the Hawks were underdogs in tonight's game and they went and managed to win in comfortable fashion, but it's a pretty good opportunity for the Hawks to get a win and uh, potentially break the streak and also get one they actually have to get because the last two games of the year, while they could break in the Hawks' direction, are still against teams right now in Philly and Boston that are obviously quite good. So uh, it puts a little bit more pressure on that game on Wednesday, and that's a game at home as well, which always uh, helps your win probability on the surface. Last thing before we get out of here, a programming note. 
I basically never do this, but I'm not going to have a podcast after the game on Wednesday. You're probably gasping if you're a long-time listener to this podcast. Probably only happens like once a year or maybe even less than that, that I will miss a game on the show. But I'll be transparent with you as my listeners and viewers on the podcast and hopefully the diehard Hawks fans that you are. Uh, I've lived in Georgia for almost my entire life, and I've always wanted to go to Augusta National during Masters Week. And by some miracle, I won the ticket lottery for passes and was assigned to tomorrow, etc. So I'm going to be completely offline for the entirety, basically, of Wednesday. And it's also two and a half hours from my house. So not great timing. I understand that. Sometimes like, like it's in the way. And hopefully you will understand and get me, get me, get me this, this sort of reprieve. I'll be back later on in the week. The Hawks play again on Friday. I'll have coverage of that game. I can assure you of that. That's a home game. I plan to be in attendance for that one, as I always would be. But I wanted to warn everybody, uh, I'm not going to have a podcast on Wednesday. So my apologies on that. Uh, I'm glad it worked out. It wasn't At least it wasn't the Bulls game. It was sort of the bigger one this week. But I recommend following my able colleagues uh, on the Hawks beat, uh, people like Kevin Chouinard and Glenn Willis, especially. Peter Hoops has got great coverage, et cetera. And I pledge to you that I'll be back later on in the week to talk about what happens on Friday. I'll probably touch on what happens on Wednesday and all that. So just a programming note there. I hate doing that, but uh, it's just one of those things that happen that sort of aligned in the stars. And hopefully you understand why once I've shared it with you at this point. Also, I'm supposed to be an uncle in the next couple of days. Hopefully at some point, my uh, brother and sister-in-law are expecting their first child. So that's going to be fun. And maybe that'll knock me out of a commission for a couple of hours in, at some point as well. But I promise you, I am pledged to be in the mix covering the Hawks as always. And look, this is a nice step forward for the Hawks, this victory to, uh, again, avoid the downside scenarios of the play-in. Still could be in a, in a nine spot. Still could be in a situation where you have to win or get win or go home in, a, in basically next week when the play-in begins. Because the play-in, as I'm recording this podcast, it's almost April 5th. It's a week from today, basically, when the play-in is going to be happening. So uh, we're not far away. The Hawks have three games left in the season. It's crunch time. And uh, we do appreciate you listening to the podcast, subscribing to the podcast, but it's a big time for the Hawks. And I do appreciate everybody's support on the show. Follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Follow my written work at patreon.com slash BT Roland as well. Please subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Play. Also, we're on YouTube where you can like the show and rate and review all that fun stuff. You can download across platforms multiple times. That's always a nice way to support the podcast and have multiple clicks and downloads and streams, etc. That's always helpful. And I do sincerely appreciate all the support. We'll be back again later in the week, and we'll see you next time.